0: Amen? Are y'all awake yet? Come on, it's getting later in the day. And I'll be done by 4.30 in the afternoon for sure. No problem. So uh, can we just uh, for a minute just close our eyes, just lift your hands before the Lord. It's all about Jesus, yes. It's all about Him. And we just want to welcome Him to have His way. Lord, it's all about you today. There's nothing I can say in my own ability That's going to make a difference in anybody's life. But Holy Spirit, you can completely turn us around. It's only by your power that we can live and breathe. Lord, and and even as, as Brandon shared earlier, Lord, you dance over us. You love us so much. And I pray today we would just realize how deep and how great and how vast your love is for us. Because you're so wonderful, Jesus. You're so beautiful. And we just give you praise. We just give you praise. Can we just lift this up to him this morning to sing? Oh, hail King
1: Jesus. Oh, hail the Lord of heaven and
0: earth. Jesus, it's all about you. It's all about you. You alone are worthy, Jesus. You alone are holy. You alone are magnificent. And we just worship you and we give you all the praise. Oh, hail, King Jesus. Come on. Oh, hail, the Lord of heaven. Come on. i hail the Savior.
1: of the world
0: did worship man you can never worship enough we're going to do it forever and ever in, in heaven anyway and if you get a glimpse today of how worthy he is the songs of your heart will never cease we love you Jesus we love you Jesus can you just say this with me say Lord Jesus help me to understand how much you love me how much you are for me, that you've never been against me, that I can't do anything to make you love me more or make you love me less because your love is perfect. So today, I want to receive your love. And everybody said, Amen, amen, amen. Are we alive? Am I gonna have to yell a lot or something? Are we, you know, come on now? Now listen, we've been—I've been out the last couple of weeks. We—I uh, ministered in Memphis uh, two weeks ago at Powerhouse Revival Ministry Center. Um, so I've been in Black Church, and so y'all got a little bit, get a little bit more lively. Are you with me? All right, the three Black people were with me on that one. Are y'all with me today? You gotta get a little bit going on. Oh, watch out! <laughs> I had the Hammond going on Sunday, I'm telling you. And then last week, um, Evan and I got the opportunity. We were up in Michigan, and uh, we got to spend some time up there at a conference um, with Robbie Dawkins and Todd White. And it was really an amazing time. And so um, God opened some great doors, some awesome connections. Uh, Just got to minister to so many people. Um, Got to see Evan minister to so many people. It was really cool. There was one guy in particular. He was sitting up there, this guy, his arm was bigger than my leg, and uh, I mean, he was just huge, just, I mean, ripped, looked almost like Prentice, you know, a lot like that, the same physique, and, um, but I mean, this guy, he was huge, I mean, just a massive man, and, you know, really tough-looking guy, and the Lord gave me a word for him, and and I was like, okay, Lord, I, you know, I just want to make sure we're We're on the I'm hearing from you because, you you know, it's one thing to get a word wrong to, you know, like a young person that's small and you could outrun or you could take. But when the guy could break you in half and eat you as an appetizer, you want to make sure you're hearing from God. And so I gave him this word and I said, the Lord, your arms are huge, but God says your heart is bigger and you should be really bitter and angry and have all this hate in your life, but God's done such a work in you that that he's changed you around. And I I said, does that make any sense? He said, well, I spent 11 years in prison, and I was in there for some violent crimes, and I had a really tough life. He said, but now I travel around doing like, y'all remember the power team? And they do feats of strength. And his business card is him bending a frying pan. And so it made me even happier that I got the word right, and uh, we are now friends, and so, um, and then the Friday night, Evan was praying for this guy, and, you know, Evan's, you know, I think 112 pounds, soaking wet or something, he's getting up there, but he prayed for him, and he came to me, and he said, Dad, I prayed for Big Mike, because that was our new name for him, and he said, he was falling out, and I was like, that's cool, man, he said, it had to be God, you know what I mean, so the Lord is working, and so we've seen some awesome stuff, and. I just want to challenge you this morning that we've got to get to a place that we are moving in the fullness of what God has for us. Not just Sunday morning from 1030 to whenever you get out of here, depending on how long-winded the preacher is. That this is a lifestyle. That my friend Cuckoo is here. They can't just love Jesus when they're going into remote villages. It has to be a 24-7, 365-day-a-year, 66-on-a-leap-year. You've got to be completely in Jesus. Everybody say, in Jesus. And the Lord has really challenged me to bring this to you to say that we got to get in Jesus. You know, last time I ministered here, we had a really good time. Many of you received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and we had people falling out and things going on, in fact, one of the kids came in from Children's Church and said, there are more people on the ground than there are standing up. And you know, and so I, I don't know what will happen today. If God wants to do that, that's awesome. But what I want you to understand is those moments are just not so you can get goosebumps or get a feel-good moment or be like, ooh, the Lord really touched me. It's supposed to change our lives to bring evidence for later dates in our life. Are you all hearing me today? And I want to talk to you this morning about using the keys God's given you. If you open your Bibles up or open your phone up to your Bible app and not Facebook or Twitter or Instagram and go to Matthew chapter 16. I want you guys to leave here knowing one thing for sure, that Jesus loves you so much it's absolutely ridiculous and it makes no sense. Yeah? I mean, he has no business loving me the way he loves me. Because I definitely have let him down more times than one. Yes? Anybody else in that same boat? But he's faithful, yeah? Matthew 16, it's a really familiar uh, verse. You, most of you probably heard it. Um, verse 15, he's, Jesus has asked a question, who does everybody say I am? And the disciples gave him a bunch of answers. In verse 15, he says this. He says, but who do you say I am? Are we up there? Yeah. Who do you say I am? So they said, some say John the Baptist, or he said, who do men say I am? He said, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ. Everybody say the Christ. Now, can I point something out? Christ is not Jesus' last name. Okay, I know this is a deep revelation, but Jesus' last name is not Christ. Christ means the anointed one. He was the promised one. So he said, you are the Christ. You are the promised one. You are the anointed one. And Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Bless you, whoever sneezed just a second ago. And I also say to you that you are Peter. Everybody say Peter. Now we know him, as Peter. And on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. And I will give you, everybody say, I'll give you. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Are you with me? So what did he give them? Keys. Keys. Now, in order to get keys, the first step is where we got to start in verse 15. And some of y'all got to get on this journey with me here, okay? The first step is this. Jesus doesn't care what you've heard about him. I mean, you've heard a lot of messages about Jesus. In fact, you know, since we're we're talking about India, one of the most amazing things that I've ever heard coming out of there was from Gandhi. And Gandhi made a comment one time he said, "I like your Christ." I do not like your Christians. Now, I've been in a lot of churches in life. I love Jesus, but there's a lot of Christians. It takes a lot of work to love them. Come on. I know y'all are being religious and stuff right now, but it's true. Some of the meanest people I've ever met are in pulpits every Sunday. I hate to say it, but it's true. But the reality is that the first thing that has to happen is you can't just know about Jesus, but this is the question, who do you say that he is? Who is he to you? Well, my mama goes to church, and my grandmama, and my daddy, and this. Now, who is he to you? Because when we get to heaven, and there's a moment of judgment, it will not be, what did your family think about Jesus? The question will be, what did you do with my, my name? What did you do with my son? So it comes down to the first thing is, where are you in this whole journey? Who do you say he is? Who is he to you? Because I promise you, this is who he is to me. He's everything. He's everything. I wouldn't have my family if it weren't for him. I wouldn't have hope if it weren't for him. He is everything. And if he is not everything to you, you are missing out. Now, don't hear me wrong and leave and say, well, he said we're going to go to hell. No, I'm just saying you're missing out. I believe there's a lot of people that are going to make it to heaven by the skin of their teeth. And that's better than not making it at all. But let me tell you something. I'm going to bust up in that joint. And when they're backing up, they're bringing all the crowns of the things I've done for Jesus, I want it to sound like trucks backing up. Beep, beep, because they've got to just pour them out. So that's prideful. No, man, we get to give everything we've done to Jesus. So who do you say he is? Because that's the first thing. You've got to realize he's got to be your Christ. He's got to be your anointed one. Yours, your Savior, your best friend. And if he becomes that, nothing else matters. Nothing else matters. Man, these dudes that followed Jesus for three and a half years left everything. You know, the, the last time they went fishing before he called them in, they drug in a ton of fish. And, and all I see is they left them on the shore. They didn't even go sell them. They didn't cook them. They just left them. Because he said, come and follow me. And that's where we've got to get to, guys. So we go on, and Jesus says this, Look, I'm going to build my church on this revelation of who you see that I am. And that word there for church is the word ecclesia. And it actually goes back to like a military term and a term about the assembly who are called out. In In the Roman culture, they would take a group, that would be similar to the ecclesia, it's a Greek word, but they would take a group and they would bring in doctors and they would bring in lawyers and and bakers and farmers and all these different types of people that were Roman citizens and they would put them in a community. And then when they got in that community, they would begin to teach that community how to be Romans. Are you all with me? So that when the Romans came in, they already had a Roman mindset. They were learning how to become Romans. That's what Jesus was saying. He' saying, "I'm sending you guys out to go into a place that everybody's going to see how you look, how you act, how you think and how you talk, and they're going to go, "That's what a Christian looks like. I should act like that." See, Jesus has already done everything. What do he say on the cross? It's almost finished. What do he say? I know I set some of y'all up. One of you was about to say, Yeah, oh no, wait, that's not right. It is finished. It's not almost done. It's not going to be done. It's complete. Everything that has to be done for the church to be the church has already been taken care of. So whose responsibility is it now? Who said ours? You're right, it's ours. Yet so many in the church are still sitting around waiting for God to do something. Oh, God, please come. He's like, I've already come. And I sent my Holy Spirit who's sitting there bored out of his mind because none of you will use him the way he wants to be used. And you only talk to him when you're going broke or you're in trouble. And then Jesus on the main line, tell him what you want. It has to be more than that. Can, can I just be honest with you? Listen, a lot of Christians, a lot of people I know, they treat God like a prostitute. They go and they get what they want from him and they pay their little price and then they leave the room satisfied with what they got. This is not the relationship he set up. The relationship he set up was a bride and a groom that come together in the most extravagant wedding ceremony. I mean, if you ever read Song of Solomon? Like, you, in, in the Hebrew-Jewish culture, you can't, you got to be 14 before you can even read the book. I mean, it's like, like this dude and this chick know everything about each other. When she starts talking about her bridegroom, she's like, his lips are like lilies that drip honey. His skin is like myrrh that smell. I mean, she's like describing him to a T. Why? Because she is so in love with him. That's how we should talk about Jesus. Oh, man. He's, be- he's beautiful beyond words. He's the fairest of 10,000. He's the bright and morning star. He's the lily of the valley. Come on, man. He's the bright and morning. He is awesome. He is beyond words. He's Jehovah Jireh who supplies all my needs. He's Jehovah Rapha. He heals me when I have needs. He is Jehovah Sid Canoe. He's my righteousness. I wish somebody would get excited just a little bit. You make me feel a little better. (laughs) Listen, he's called us to change our surroundings. He said, I'm putting this this foundation and the gates of hell will not prevail against you. And let me tell you something. I've said this a lot of times in the past. I wasn't going to share it this morning, but it's just true. Gates do not attack. Now, have y'all ever watched movies like or TV shows when animals attack, right? So somebody will be out in the wild and this deer will be sick of deer hunters and they'll just attack this poor innocent person, right? Or there's that commercial its on TV all the time now, the Hanes commercial, and the kangaroo jumps up and kicks the guy. Y'all don't ever watch TV, I guess. Y'all are more spiritual than it. None of you own televisions. Have y'all ever seen shows where animals attack and things go on? Look, let me help you guys this morning. I don't know what's gone on since I've been gone, but this means yes. This means no. It's okay to do that. So, do y'all know what I'm talking about? But Jesus said this He said, I'm going to form this church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Well, gates don't attack, gates are stationary. That means that we should be moving i see it it's like you know it's like a rebound we're catching it now we should be moving he's saying you should be going and you should be destroying the gates of hell and when you go they can't stand against you listen the, the is the enemy real yes does he put up fights yes is he a loser yes look i wore my new shirt for you guys can you read that it says satan is a freaking moron because he's an idiot I saw this in, in Michigan, and I had to get it. I, so I had it made. I was like, I love this shirt. Because this is the thing. When you, We talk about the devil in church sometimes like he's bigger than God. We talk about the battles and the struggles we've been through, and I don't know if I'm going to make it. Listen, I used to I hated the song. I didn't grow up in church. But when I started going, they would sing the song, I'll Fly Away. And I know some of you all probably really love it. I don't like it just because of that one verse, just a few more weary hours. My God, can we be any more defeated? I mean, half the church is like hoping for the rapture just so we can get out of here. But you realize if we get out of here, the hope of the world is gone. And they're going to burn in hell for all of eternity while you think you're going to lay on a cloud and play a harp. That's not what it's about. The kingdom of God suffers violence and the violent take it by force. Some of y'all got to get a little ticked off. Some of y'all got to get a little attitude in your life. And it comes not just rah, 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 but it comes from being in Jesus and seeing the world like Jesus sees. And what he sees, the Bible tells us that Jesus went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. He also, it says this, for this purpose. Come on. For this purpose was the Son of God manifest to do what? To make all the Christians feel happy and sit in cushy chairs. No, to make sure you're comfortable at this church, and if you're not, just leave and go to the other church. No, so that everything is all about you and you can have seven ways to live a more happy life. No, for this purpose was the Son of God manifest to destroy the works of the devil, to destroy the works of the evil one. That's why Jesus came. So if Jesus came to do that, what do you think our mission is now? To be happy and to live a full life and to have the joy, joy, joy. I don't know what that was. It's all about following him. And when you follow him, you're going to follow him into the battlefield. But you can't follow him into the battlefield until you've been in the prayer closet. And we got to get ourselves ready. Are you all with me? Okay, I'm going to keep going here. Verse 19, he says this, and I will give you, he'll give us what? Keys. Everybody say keys. Now what do you have keys for? What? Open to lock and unlock. to What? Drive your car. Start up a car. So keys represent the ability to lock and unlock, but they represent more. They represent authority. Because if you have the key, You have the ability to unlock. You have the ability to start the car. You don't have to hotwire it because that's stealing, just for the record. But you have the authority. If I give you the keys to my house, I'm saying I trust you with the authority to come and go as you please in my home, what belongs to me. And so Jesus did the first thing. He gave them the authority. What did he give them authority to? The kingdom. Everybody say kingdom. kingdom. So what's kingdom? It is the domain of the king. It's where the king lives. But it's not just any domain. He said, I give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. So what is heaven? Where God dwells, right? It's very simple. I'm not trying to confuse you anymore. I know now y'all are gun shy, like, oh, should I, is he tricking me again? He's given you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. In other words, God's given you the authority that everything that's in heaven is now available here, that whatever you bind that's bound in heaven can be bound on earth. Whatever you loose that's been loosed in heaven will be loosed on earth. There's power and authority in us, guys, that we're just not moving in. We're just not walking in. We've got to get to a deeper place in him. We've got to come to a new revelation. And when we come there, there's going to be change. Now, listen, a big thing is about position and where you're at. Can you go to um, 2 Samuel? You got that one for me? 2 Samuel 11. I'm just going to let you pull it up. Now, how many of you know about King David, right? What does the Bible say about David? He was a man after God's own heart. Is there anybody else that says that about? Not to my knowledge. There's nobody else in there, but we all know about about David. Don't cheat. Don't look yet. We all know about David and his great splendors. Well, there was a moment where David messed up. Anybody ever heard that story? So that's what we're going to look at right now. And it says that it happened in the spring of that year at a time when kings went out to battle. That David sent Joab and his servants with him and all of Israel and they destroyed the people of Ammon and besieged Rabbah. But David remained in Jerusalem. Just hold there for a second. It was a time when what happened? The kings did what? They went to battle. What was David A king, so where should he have been? Should have been on the battlefield. Can I tell you something, church? There's a lot of Christians that I see that should be on the battlefield. They should be in a different place than where they're at. They should be in a place of worship, a place of prayer, a position where they've got their heart right before him. Listen, if you don't have quiet time with the Lord, set apart time with the Lord, you're, you're, you're missing out. I, I'm not saying you're a bad person, but you're missing out. Because you can't just have the talk with Jesus on your drive to work. I'm, it's not enough. It's, it's not enough. Not to get, if you, how many of y'all really want to go all into this thing? Whoever's raising, that's who I'm talking to. If you want to go all into this thing, it can't just be your commute to work that you're talking to Jesus. Because the thing is, I promise you, if that's what your time is, there are more people going to cut you off. They're going to drive like idiots. There's going to be construction where there was no construction. And everything will distract you. Are you, you with me? And let me tell you something. If we're going in, now there's nothing wrong. I pray in the car all the time, man. All the time. I pray in the spirit. I pray with the understanding when I'm driving. I'm not saying don't do that. But you, that can't be your quiet time with the Lord. Because that's like spending time with your spouse and just giving them the time that that you make convenient for you. If you want to have a good relationship, you've got to be there for each other. You've got to listen to one another. Hello? Anyone with me? It's a full-time thing. And that's why we've got to have this time set apart. And so David stayed home when kings went to war. Go ahead to the next verse. I want you to see this. Then it happened. Look, you can stop right there, because you all know it's bad. We say, in modern vernacular, it'd be like this. What had happened was, because then it happened. One evening, David arose from his bed, walked on the roof of the king's house. From the roof, he saw a woman bathing, and the woman was very beautiful to behold. And it all goes downhill from there. It all goes downhill from there. David committed Not only the sin of adultery, but murder. He sent her husband to the front lines to have him killed, to cover his own sin. How could all this have been avoided? If David had been where David was supposed to be, it would have never happened. It would have never taken place. Listen, guys, we've got to get to a place where we are in the place God called us to be that we're spending time in prayer, that we're spending time in the Word, that we're spending time in worship, that we're actively doing something with what we get. I really believe with all my heart that the, the, the season of the, of the one-man show has ended. I really do. I, I honor the great men of God like Oral Roberts and, and Billy Graham who have been, you know, such strong pillars in the church, but they're gone now. And I believe it's a prophetic symbol to the church that God's not looking for one guy standing in a stadium. He's looking for a stadium full of people that are going to go out on the streets. And it's all a choice that we have to say, God, I'm, I'm all into this thing. Robbie Dawkins, who we were listening to, he said that his kids prefer going to pray for people that are outside of the church because it's easier to pray for lost people than it is saved people a lot of times. And that's true. But there's a warfare mentality. There's an attitude. This guy, I'd never really listened to him much. I'd seen him. Some of you might have seen him. He was on like Finger of God that uh, Darren Wilson films and, you know, some of those. But they, they planted a church in, in Aurora, Illinois. Now, Aurora is a city right, it's in the shadow of Chicago. And when they went there, it was one of the, the top crime cities in Chicago. It's one of the most gang-infested cities in the country. And they went there and they played it. Well, they had a bunch of gang members that got saved. So he went to the gang members and he said, "Okay, when you were in your gang, if somebody came at you, a rival gang came at you, what would you do?" They said, "It's simple. You hurt one of us, we hurt 3 of you. You kill one of us, we kill 3 of yours." So he said, "Okay, that's what we're going to do." Anytime there was a rape, anytime there was a homicide, or a violent crime, they would go to the very spot it happened, and they would stay there until three people got born again. I mean, I, I'm talk, you're talking about kicking butt and taking names. I mean, this is, the real, this is for real stuff. And they would go out there, and, and in the year, this was 2000, I think he said 13, they had declared there was going to be a gang war, and it was going to be the bloodiest year in Aurora. And he sat down, in fact, that's what's in that video if you've ever seen it. They sat down with the gang leaders, and one of them got healed. They both got saved. And that next year, it went from being the top homicide per capita in the country to zero homicides in an entire year. Do you hear me? Zero. Zero. It was so big that the BBC was even there interviewing the chief of police and asking them, what did you guys do? And they said, well, really, to be honest with you, if you want to know how this worked, you need to go to that little church on the corner over here. See, this is the place that God's calling us to. And I'm excited about that. Listen, I love it. That stirs me, boy. I hope it stirs you up. That gets me excited. But can I tell you something? I I don't want to just tell other people's stories. Did y'all hear? I don't want to tell everybody else's story. I want us to have our stories. I want us to come back with testimonies. Man, I went out, you know, to Kroger this afternoon and came back and dude was in a little scooter chair. And I figured, you know, by great discernment there was something wrong with him. (laughs) And I just stepped out and I said, you know, can I, listen, uh, I've stepped out. I've asked so many people, can I pray for you? Rarely does anybody say no. Rarely. Most times they tell you no, they go to church somewhere. Or they've been hurt by the church really bad. The other day, yesterday, I was going to Kroger, I was getting gas, and there was some chick and Sarah had seen her earlier. She had dreads and in a in a big old hoopty van, you know, and sitting there with a sign, need gas. So I was like, ah, another one of these, you know. So I was like, oh, and the Lord just said, Go, go bless her. I had had 10 bucks. I said, You got any money? She said, I've gotten a little bit. I said, here's ten dollars. She said, I appreciate it. I talked to her, I said, Where are you going? said, I'm going to St. Louis, and we were talking. I said, well, can I pray for you? So I just reached out, prayed for her, and, you know, just prayed that God would move upon her. You know, she didn't, like, fall out or something miraculous, but but I sowed a seed. Are y'all hearing me? See, sometimes we're looking for this big. Sometimes it's going to be big. Sometimes it's going to be simple. Sometimes people just want to know that you're taking the time to meet the need because that's what Jesus did. Jesus went about doing good. Just being good to people. I, my, favorite, my favorite verse in the whole Bible, my favorite chapter is John 4, when Jesus goes to the woman at the well. One, because it's all about words and knowledge, and I love words and knowledge. It's so awesome how God can use you in that. But, but even beyond that, it's, he sits down with this woman that he should not have any business with. She's a Samaritan. She's had a bunch of husbands. She's sleeping around with the guy she's with now. He could have condemned her. He could have told her, but what did he do? He told her what was going on in her life. And because he told her what was going on in her life and he showed her love, a whole city got saved. The whole village got saved. See, we're sitting around waiting, man, and God's saying, would you please get going? We need a kingdom mindset. We need a a culture in our lifestyle. We need to create a culture of influence that says, you know what? It's all about the kingdom of heaven. But you can't be that way if you're not touching the kingdom of heaven on your personal time, guys. You can't get enough on a Sunday morning. It's just not going to work. I don't care if you go to Bethel Church and have Bill Johnson preaching to you every Sunday. You can't get enough, which would be great, but you can't get that just one Sunday. Because I'll tell you this, when you get in that kind of atmosphere, you don't want to just have one Sunday. You want more and more and more and more. I'll pick on my son. He can forgive me later. But the Friday night, he went around praying for people. He was with somebody else because he prayed over this other person the night before and giving him a word. And and they were like, will you come sit with us? So he left me, you know, but I was still on the front row, just saying. Um, And so they had prayer and and they were praying over people and, and I couldn't even find him. And then I come down and I find him and he's on his knee and he's prophesying to this 14 year old kid. And he's like, dad. Dad, I can't quit. I just can't quit, man. I can't quit. You, God's doing this and he's doing that. And I'm like, yes. Because as a parent, that's all I want. Like, I don't, I don't care if my kids don't make millions of dollars. If they do, they have to sow back into my ministry. But, I don't, you know, I'm not worried about that. What I care about is that every one of my children are loving Jesus so much that they're like, He is my life. He is my everything that I can't. I don't have time to look to the left or the right. i got to go full on because, man, this life, it's a vapor. It's just a vapor. It's going to pass through so quickly. Last night we watched the movie The Apostle Paul. Have you all seen that yet? It's a pretty good movie. And we were watching it, and there was this one analogy, and he said, have you ever been out in a boat in the ocean? And he said, it's kind of like reaching out from, from the, in the water and picking it up with your hand, and as you hold it, the water just drips out of your hand. He said, that's man's life. He said, eternity is that ocean. We're living for eternity, guys. Like everything we do, this is just, it's over. James says it's a vapor. That was your life. We're living for eternity. So should we not have the mindset of the kingdom of where we're going to live forever in our brains that's, that's driving us, that's saying, I, it's not about me. That when you're going, I mean, everybody's got to go grocery shopping, right? So why not make it a mission field? Well, I'm busy. Well, then you need to get your heart right. You need to drop some stuff. Well, I don't have time to pray. Well, you got time to watch Netflix. You got time to post to Facebook. It's true. We're all about entertainment. Listen, I love movies. Man, I'm telling you, I watch movies and I start preaching on them. I wanted to preach to you all about The Greatest Showman because I watched it. Man, I could preach to you for hours about it because that's what the church should look like. I'm telling you. I'm not going to get off on that because we'll be here a whole other day. But I'm telling you, listen, I love stuff like that. But can I tell you what? If I don't have my intimacy with him, it doesn't mean anything. If I'm not spending every day, I don't want to just be full of Jesus when I get invited to preach. That's hypocrisy. Listen, I'm this way when I, tomorrow morning, if you followed me around, you'd be like, God, he's weird all the time. Because I just love him. And I have to serve him. And, and, and I'm challenged more and more. I was listening to some 26-year-old kid on a podcast yesterday talking about how much he loved Jesus and, and his passion for Jesus. And how Jesus told him, make me a house and just live in it. When you go to minister, just open the windows. And I'm like, oh, God, that's where I want to be. We had a dear friend, or have a dear friend, LaVon. She's 79 now, I think. She traveled for years. With two suitcases. That was it. Her husband divorced her, left her the house. The Lord told her, if you'll give me everything, I'll take care of you the rest of the days of your life. She had $1,500 in her hand as she walked off the porch of her house. Two suitcases. God said, I said, if you give me everything, I'll take care of you all the days of my life. She handed the $1,500 to her pastor. He's like, I can't take it. She said, you have to. She walked out of there not knowing what God was going to do. In that time, she traveled to Japan 21 times, praying over that nation, all over the nation, prophesying and praying. And God would just direct steps. People would come up to her and say, hey, here's a plane ticket, first class. That's how she lived her life. Somebody gave her a house. People have given her cars. She'll get thousands of dollars and she'll just sew them into somebody else. I mean, she's the closest thing to Paul the Apostle I've ever known. And she she's told me this time and time again. She said, Archie, it's simple. You just have to get into Jesus. She said, just get in the bubble of Jesus. And I'm like, where's the bubble? Put me in the bubble, Lord. I just want to be in the bubble. I need to share this because I feel the Lord stirring this in me because I want you to hear it. She had this thing happen in her life. She was driving this car. She had a Volkswagen Rabbit. This was really early on. And she was driving from Chicago to Dallas, which is a pretty good drive. And she stopped one time just to rest for a minute. And she went to start her car, and it wouldn't start back up. And she had one of those, y'all remember those little digital clocks you would have to stick on your car? you know, that little tape on them. And she had a little digital clock in there, and the car wouldn't work, so that little digital clock was kicking. And the Holy Spirit spoke to her. He said, the car will start. It was like 3 o'clock. The car will start at 312. And so she, of course, being a woman of faith and power at 307, she tried to start the car, right? And it wouldn't start. And she did it one more time, and the Lord rebuked her. He said, I told you at 312 it'll start. So she waited, the clock hit 312, bup, bup, she went to start the car, bam, started, she went on her way. She stopped a few, minutes, a few days, the next day, she stopped somewhere else to go get some, something to eat. And in the parking lot, same thing, car wouldn't start. And the Lord said, at you know 4.15, it'll start. So she just took a nap. She woke up at 4.15, started the car. She told her kids about her kids, like, as soon as you get to Dallas, we're buying you a new car. You can't have that car anymore. The next day, it happened one more time. The Lord spoke to her, said the time she started the car up. And the Lord said this. He said, LaVon, if you will get into my time, you will always be where you're supposed to be when you're supposed to be there. And I, she would come visit me. She says, well, I know I'm where I'm supposed to be because I am where I am. And I'm like, come on. Let's do it, man. Listen, isn't that the way Paul walked? Don't you read this? Anybody ever read Acts. They're going, and he's like, let's go to Asia. And the Holy Spirit's like, no, he's like, let's not go to Asia. You know, I mean, and it was no big deal. It was just following the Holy Spirit, and I believe God's calling us to this place, guys. He's calling us to have a kingdom mindset. we got to look like Jesus. Listen, if the world sees, if you act and you live like the world, and that's what they see in you, guess what? They're not worried about change. See, I think for a long time we've had a problem. I think the church has tried to look too much like the world. And I'm, not, you know, I'm not saying we've got to wear a three-piece suit. God, help us. Please don't make me do that. But we don't have to look like the world. But what we've done is we tried to look like the world to try to get people to think we're cool and we're hip and we're, you know, we're flowing and we've got neat programs and this. Listen, we're missing it because all we need is the Holy Spirit. In the book of Acts, you don't see where, you know, Peter was like, man, we're really struggling with numbers, so we really ought to put on a cool VBS. I'm not against VBS. I mean, you know, they're they're nightmares. But, I mean, if you want to do one, go for it. Right? He didn't say we've got to have a cool this program or a cool that. He just said, man, what do we do? We just need to pray more. We just need to pray. Now, what they did? Is that what they did? Acts chapter 8, you know, Stephen gets stoned, he's killed, and they're, they're freaking out. And the crazy thing about it is, if y'all remember back in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, you got it there, don't you? Go ahead and pull it up. Acts 1.8, 8, it says this, you shall receive, that means y'all can say, you shall receive power. power. Now, we all know that word is dunamis, right? we've been taught that, and that's the word for dynamite. Well, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Anybody have the Holy Spirit come upon you? So, did power come upon you? Yes. And you shall be witnesses of me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth, right? This is Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Now, the day of Pentecost comes on Acts chapter 2, which is just, a, you know, a couple weeks later. Day of Pentecost comes. When the day of Pentecost fully come, Holy Spirit came. They are baptized, speaking in tongues. People thought they were drunk. Peter preaches. 3,000 people saved. Pretty good day. It's about like every time I preach. You know, 3,000 saved every time. We're going to have an altar call in a minute. I need you all to come up like 15 times. So, but look, so here it is. This is Acts chapter 1. Jesus gives us commission. What did he say? You're going to be my witnesses where? Jerusalem, Judea. Samaria, and then to the other parts of the earth. Now, Acts chapter 8, you got that as well, let's pull it up. Acts chapter 8, Stephen has just been stoned, and he was killed. And in Acts chapter 8, verse 4, this is what happened to the church. What's it say? Therefore, those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. Now, hang with me for a second. Acts chapter 2 was about 8 to 10 years, about 8 years before Acts chapter 8. Now, you can read it in one sitting and think it all happened. But this was 8 years they stayed in Jerusalem. What did Jesus tell them they were supposed to do? Go out. But what did they do? They stayed. Why? Because they're human beings. And it was easy. And things were rolling. And they're like, dude, I'm not leaving here. We're kicking it. It's good stuff going on. Now, there were some people that were going out in different places, but for the most part, they weren't going. What drove them to go? Persecution. Can I tell you guys something? God's going to get you where you got to go one way or the other. I knew that would get a lot of shouts, man. I knew I was going to get shouted down on that one. I mean, listen, it, does that excite you? No, but listen, some of the hardest times in my life, they, where do they drive me? They drive me more into his presence. Because I real, I can't do this on my own. I can't make it on my own. Verse, Go on, verse uh, 5 there. And Philip went down to the city of... So now we're finally getting there, right? Jesus said, you're going to go. Now, Samaria was the place where nobody wanted to go. Samaria was the leper colony. This is what we work in in Ethiopia. Go on. He preached Christ to them. And the multitudes with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits, crying out with a loud voice, came out of men who were possessed and many who were paralyzed and lame, then they were healed. And there was great joy in the city. God is calling you and me to bring great joy to the city. Wherever you go. See, for a long time, man, and it's happened a lot in, in all kinds of churches. I know people that are like, they make friends with people, and they're like, hey, come to church with me Sunday, and then you can get saved. Because we know you can't really get saved unless just as I am is playing the first and the second and the fourth stanzas. you got to have it playing in the background or it's not real. Listen, we, we've done things back. Do you all see that? We've done so many things backwards where God never called it to be one person always doing everything. He gave apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, and evangelists to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. It should be be the body out doing stuff. It's time for us to wake up and say, God, okay, what do you want me to do? Anybody ready? Listen, the, the Great Commission is what God's called us to walk in. He said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. He said, all authority has been given to me, and, and, and I'm with you always. So what are you waiting on? See, we've got to quit waiting. My, my mission statement, my mantra is Matthew 5, 16. It's what I, man, that's what the Lord has put in me for the last, I don't know, 16, 17 years. And it challenges me. I mean, I, I don't just preach it like I, this is what I want to live. This is what, let your light, everybody say your light. Say my light. See, this is the thing, it's not God's light. Did y'all get that? We pray, Lord, shine your light. No, God's saying no, you shine your light. I heard this analogy. It'd be like a police officer about to make an arrest, and he gets on on his radio and he says, Hey chief, I got the guy in backed in the corner. Why don't you come make the arrest? What is the chief of police going to say? Do your job. Do your job. And we're asking God. God, please come. God, please do that. And he's like, do your job. Thank you for that one clap. I, I do appreciate it sincerely. But that's what he's saying. Do your job. Lord, send revival. He's like, I sent you. See, a lot of the church doesn't know this because they don't even know what this, they don't read this book. You don't know, oh, that's my job? All authority has been given to me? Nobody told me. I didn't hear that in the last sermon I listened to. Get in the word, man. Do you re- Listen, there was a revelation that hit me not long ago. I mean, I've known it, but I get hit me. Because a lot of people, Well, I pray a lie, you know, I don't read the word a lot. This. Is Jesus. If you want to get to know him, this is him. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God, and the word became flesh and dwelt among men. And this is all. of You want to know, how many want to know Jesus more? Here's his love letter. It's full of really good stuff. It's full of really bad stuff. Say, no, the Bible's not full of bad. Yes, it dude, it crushes me all the time. I read it and I go, oh, I think I need to get saved again. There's some hard stuff in here, man. For I am crucified with Christ, no longer I that live, yet Christ now lives in me. We quote stuff all the time that we don't really live. For me to live is Christ and to die as gain. Baloney, you're not even living like Christ. Half the time you're living like you. you got the die to gain part, right? But if a gun's put to your head... Where are you at? Listen, I love everybody in this room. I don't know you, but I love you. I'm not here to condemn anybody, but I'm here to challenge you. I'm here to tell you, man, listen, God's not going to wait around for us to, you know, get in the boat. There's a moment when the boat's leaving. And when the boat's leaving, when, when, when Noah built the ark and the door closed, guess what? The rains were coming. And that door wasn't going to be opened ever again. And there's a world out there that needs to get in the boat. But the church has got to be in the position to get them in the boat. We got to get in our places, guys. Are y'all with me today? Listen, struggles come. Don't back down. Just rejoice. James says count it all joy when you go through stuff. I see so many Christians belly. Listen, I've been through hard stuff too. And I cry and I whine and I'm a big baby sometimes. But I watch people and they just get beat down. And they get, well, you don't know what I've been through. And then I read what Paul wrote. I was beaten by the Romans five times and by the Jews three. I was shipwrecked. I was in the wilderness. I was in the desert. I was hungry. I was cold. I went through all this stuff, but guess what? I'm content, man, because it's all him. It's all him. Dude spent the last few years of his life in prison, writing what we read all the time, and we read it like he was on the love boat. My brethren, counted all joy. No, dude, these guys were dying. Y'all realize that? That 10 of the 11 disciples were martyred. One killed himself, ten were martyred, and John was boiled in oil and left on a rocky island all by himself, and in that moment wrote the craziest book that is the only book that if you read it and understand it, you get a blessing, the book of Revelation. So don't come to me and tell me, it's just hard. It's just so hard. You don't know what I've been through, but I know what Jesus went through. He left heaven and became a man and then was beaten and ridiculed and mocked and took all my sin. That's what he went through. Listen, his power and authority is in us. What are we representing to this world? What am I showing to the world? On my good days and bad days, I have them. You do too. We don't get to like not be witnesses because we're having a bad day. God, I'm just having a bad day. then he tells us that he gave us joy for sorrow we sang that song your praise will ever be on my lips you know that's what the psalm says his praise shall continually be upon my mouth can you complain when you're praising Jesus I hate my job I love you Jesus I can't believe how angry I am at my kid Jesus you're so wonderful Can't do it. I mean, you, you could do it, but people are gonna like send you to Bolivar and lock you up down there. And be like, woohoo, they'll say you're cuckoo, but not like you, the bad cuckoo. Your praise shall continually be upon my lips. God, I praise you. What's going on in your life? It, it's it's not good, but I pray. I'm not talking about denying stuff. Like, There's not fake faith. I'm talking about just saying, you know what, it's hard right now, but my God is faithful. And he who began a good work is faithful and just to complete. Though a thousand fall at my side, ten thousand fall at my right hand, it's not going to come near me. There's no weapon that can form against me that can prosper. And any tongue that rises against me in judgment, God himself will condemn. I'm more than a conqueror because he loved me. Y'all know what more than a conqueror is? Y'all know what it means to be more than a conqueror? You remember back in the day when boxing was good? And there were guys like Tyson and Holyfield and all that. You know, Evander Holyfield would fight these fights, or George Foreman would go in this fight. And Foreman would fight, and he would go like 14 rounds, and he'd come out, and he'd win that match. And what was he? He was the conqueror. And then they would hand George Foreman that check for like $8 million, and he would hand it to Mrs. Foreman, and she was more than a conqueror. See, he went in the ring, he fought the battle. She reaped the reward. That's what Jesus did for us, man. He fought the fight. And he said, now all you got to do is get in me. You always going to have daisies and roses and sunshine and fairy dust? No. No, we're going to fight. And we're going to battle, but the gates of hell won't prevail against us. See, we can't have this limp-wristed, We'll see attitude of church either. It's a it's a kingdom that suffers violence and fights and kicks butt and takes names, man. There's authority in this kingdom. But it's all rooted in love. The people out there are not our enemies, guys. They're our mission. But they're blinded by the enemy. And the only way to overcome the enemy. Our weapons are not, of our warfare, are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. You got to get in his presence. I believe what God's calling us to is presence evangelism. Just just loving somebody. Just taking a minute to just just stop your day for a minute just loving somebody. Just letting them know how much God loves them. Just letting them know, hey, you know, he cares about you. Y'all with me?